0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Farnan and Dama back in the show, and we're coming off All-Star Weekend. It is Monday, the 21st, and we got a little bit of a break to kind of take a step back, try to look at the Wizards as objectively and reasonably as we can, and we're going to talk about what they can do down the last stretch of this season the Wizards have 24 games left in their schedule we'll get into their opponents what we think their record will be at the end of the season do they make the play in do they sneak in and make the playoffs we'll talk about Porzingis and get into a little bit more of the Eastern Conference as a whole I feel like we haven't um, been able to touch on the Eastern Conference especially in the the recent weeks just because there's been so much going on and Wizard World with the, the locker room drama and then the trades and Rui trying to get back into a rhythm and everyone complaining about Gafford not getting any minutes now. So it's been it's been a lot to talk about. Um uh, but but all exciting at the same time and uh definitely ready to lock in for this last stretch of the season. I know some of the fan base wants us to tank. Some of us want us to go and try and win because why not? So it's going to be fun either way, and um, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm, let me ask you, we'll start off with some of the, the Eastern Conference stuff. Give me your most surprising teams, and we're going to get really underwhelming, like the worst, and then give me one that's been overwhelming and had the best results that you just didn't really see coming. Uh, I think you might have the same two that I do, but I want to hear your
1: thoughts on this first. Yeah, so as far as on the positive note in the East, it's got to be the Cavs. Like, I mean, nobody saw them coming. Um, I think they're like two years ahead of schedule. Um, I thought they would be fine, like competitive, like maybe like a in level team, um, but I didn't have them as a top Top four, top five team in the East, you know, two and a half games back from the one seed. Um, you know, with two all-stars. Like I just didn't see that at all. So definitely the Cavs from a positive standpoint. Um, on the negative side of that coin, it's gotta be the Brooklyn Nets, right? Like, you know, they they were the runaway favorites to win the title. And as of today, you know, they're sitting as the eighth seed. <laughs> Uh, and you know, there's no real, uh, for sure, you know, timetable on when KD's coming back and they don't even know when Ben is going to shoot up. So, uh, and then Kyrie's a part-time player. So it's, this, it's, yeah, definitely the Nets on the, on the negative side of it.
0: So I had the Cavs is, uh,
1: the positive, the
0: negative, I had the Hawks. And so for the Nets, right? Like, so, Kyrie was going to be a part time player. we knew that, and so I definitely thought that that was going to impact the record a little bit. Um, I definitely thought that they with Kevin Durant's injury history, I figured he would miss some chunk of games, and certainly you see the results from that and then outside of that, I mean, you're trotting out the the y m c a squad and guys that don't really <laughs> want to play defense so um you know, I figured they'd be a little bit better right now, for sure. I mean, I at this point in the season, I didn't think that they would be the the seven seed or whatever they're chilling at right now, but I definitely think the Hawks are the most disappointing teams. They extended Nate McMillan. They figured they were going to uh, be one of the top teams now in the East. And before the season, I think I called them um, my dark horse in the East and you said yourself, I remember you were like, you know, I don't even know if I'd consider them a dark horse because like you we just thought that they would be pretty competitive now in the East and be one of those top teams in the conference. And, um, you know, I mean, it's it's been kind of an odd fall off for them. But although I understand it, I mean, I don't think that this was unreasonable. I mean, you have guards that. And some forwards that don't want to commit on the defensive end. Uh, Clint Capella said as much. And um, perhaps they were caught up in the honeymoon phase with McMillan. And that's not to say that he's not a good coach. But um, perhaps what he wants and then what fits the players perhaps isn't matching up the best.
1: But I wanted to hear your thoughts on the Hawks. Yeah, so I mean, I thought I thought they would kind of be doing what the Cavs are doing, Um, you know, a top four seed, top five seed, uh, competitive team with a chance to get back to that second round again. Um, But it just looks like they've they've just decided that defense was going to be optional again, and then you're kind of seeing like the the rift or the dustups between Trey and Collins kind of come back again offensively. Um, I just think if you if you can't consistently defend it's it's hard for you to stay consistently good. So that's literally what changed their season last year. They they you know they started off bad were bottom five in the east last year and then they started guarding at a top ten level and then they shut up the standings. Um and then now this year they come back and they just decide they didn't want to play defense anymore. Um and so they sit at the bottom of the standings. They've been better recently but if you're not a team that's going to consistently defend, then you're just not you're not going to win. Um, so it's kind of like they're just kind of like the flavor of the year. They were the flavor of the year last year, and they're not able to really build off of that because they're not they're not guarding. So uh, they sit where they sit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: moving on to some. Well. We can go over the Eastern Conference standings real quick, and we can kind of tie this into the Wizards a little bit. Um, So I did tweet out yesterday. I said, which uh, there was a thread of questions for those of you that missed it. Let me pull it up here real quick. I asked which team you would rather play. If the Wizards, for some reason, snuck in as the 8th seed, which team would the, the Twitter people rather have us play? And the leader in that clubhouse was Chicago. And I'm going to disagree a little bit on that. But since we're talking about the Eastern Conference, and we can go over the standings real quick, but I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of who you'd rather play. But So right now, as things stand, Miami and Chicago are tied at 38-21. and 21. Philadelphia and Cleveland are tied at 35-23. That's two and a half games back of one. Milwaukee is at 36-24, still technically two and a half games back. Boston, 34-26, four and a half. Toronto, 32-25, and 25, five games back. Brooklyn, 31-28, seven games back. And that's the cutoff for eight. So if the playoffs started today without the play-in nonsense... Those are the eight teams that would be in there, which um, sounds about right under uh, preseason. I think I would have swapped out and without taking seeds into account, I would have taken out the Cavs and put in the Hawks. And then I think everything after that looks okay. Maybe us for the Raptors or the Hornets for the Raptors. I don't know. Um, Either way, it's not that big of a deal, but. Um, the last two play in seeds right now are Charlotte and Atlanta. They're both nine and a half games back, and then you have us at ten and a half games back at twenty seven and thirty one. And then everyone out of that after that is kind of I, I wouldn't consider in the conversation. The Knicks are thirteen games back at twenty five and thirty four. They're two and a half games back behind the Wizards, but I don't consider the Knicks and um, to be one of the. Potential candidates for one of those play-in seeds. So really right now we're talking about 11 teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and obviously at the top, I mean, this could go any way with, with one through five between Miami, Chicago, Philly, Cleveland, and Milwaukee. I mean, anything could happen. Any one of those teams could end up with the first seed. And, oh, yeah. so, I wanted, and so I wanted to ask, you know, what, what team would you rather play if the Wizards for some reason snuck in as eight? And fifty, there were 171 votes on this. So the leader in the clubhouse is Chicago with 53.2 percent. Second is Philly with 26.9. Miami third with 19.3, and then Milwaukee with 0.6. I don't know why anyone would ever vote Milwaukee, but um, so basically the two leaders here, are, well, it's kind of Chicago and then a little bit of a drop off, and then Philly slightly over Miami. But out of those four teams, for the Wizards right now, knowing we'll be without BLA, I, it, we know it doesn't matter. We get it. But if you had to pick one of those teams, which
1: one would it be? Yeah, so I actually voted on your poll, and I voted Chicago Bulls. And for me, it's not even close. Um, okay. I just think, I just think. I mean, you look at how we match up. It's, it, playoffs is all about matchups. So if you look at the strengths of the Bulls, you know, it's really, you know, their perimeter players. It's Lonzo Ball. It's Caruso. It's it's uh, DeRozan, Levine, right? Um, Vucevic, I think, is a is a he's a stud. But they run their offense through mainly their perimeter. And um, you look at the strength of the Wizards. It will be our wing players. Our you know our you know the the three youngins with with Denny uh, Denny Rui Kispert. You got Kuzma. Um, like that's the strength of our team. So I think that's where we would we would match up best. And then the Bulls, they haven't been there before. Like, uh, you know, the, Levine is relatively new to the playoffs, Would be new to the playoffs. Uh, DeMar has been far, but he's never, you know, been to a finals. Uh, you know, so you're getting a, you know, Vucevic's never been to shoot, the second round, I believe. So you're getting a team that's relatively young in that regard. So, yeah, and I don't want to play a team that has a top five player. Like I just, that's, you, you don't, you don't have a matchup for Joel and me. you don't have a matchup for Giannis um, and the Miami heat, you know, they were just in the finals two years ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's for me, it's the bulls by a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say Philly. And I know that, I mean, man, if, if we had Beal going into a Philly series, I might mess around and say something reckless. But (laughs) Philly, so I'm not a Harden guy. Um, Harden, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, all guys I'm not really high on at this point in their careers. I I think they're probably in more of a net negative than a net positive. And I'm not sure that Harden makes Philly better. I think I would probably rather have Seth Curry and whatever else that they gave up, to be honest. it takes away a shooter for a non-shooter, and you know how much trouble we had with Seth Curry. I remember actually going into that series and thinking Neto was going to be a good matchup for Seth Curry. And if you remember, Seth Curry just crapped on him. I mean, Neto had no chance. And this is just for a guy that wants to do set threes and one to two dribble pull at mid-range shots. Like, he really doesn't want to do anything else, but he, he's such a killer, and he's such a good get for Brooklyn. Um, but I think it, the high usage guard with Harden, how is that going to work with Maxey? Um, and Embiid, I'm fine with. I mean, any of these teams in the, in the top four, they're going to have at least one player that you don't have an answer for. DeRozan we, and Levine, we, we don't have an answer for either one of those guys. Um, Miami, we don't have an answer for... Jimmy Butler. I mean, we would like to think that we do. I, I personally don't think that Jimmy Butler is all that great, but we never seem to have an answer for him. And even if we do, then we still have Lowry, Duncan Robinson to worry about, um Max Struess and Gabe Vincent who we can never seem to stop for whatever freaking reason. Um and then Milwaukee, I mean, we don't even need to talk about Milwaukee. So all those teams up there have guys and I know Embiid and, and Giannis are kind of in a different tier when we're talking about guys, um, Th- those top guys on those teams. But if Harden kills their ball movement as high usage, doesn't shoot the ball well, and you take away a shooter, and there are only real shooters now that you have to worry about, are like Danny Green, who is meh, and Niang, who's solid but a bench player, doesn't do much of anything else. I think I would like to take my chances on a, on a Philly matchup.
1: Yeah, I, I, they would probably be my second team. But I just think it's a significant gap from the Bulls down to to Philly. Because um, like, I feel like they, we, you don't stop. You don't, you're not going to stop a DeRozan. You're not going to stop a Zach Levine. But I think you can make them inefficient in a, in a seven-game series. I think you can True. kind of allow them. So, yeah, they're going to get there 25-30. But it's going to be on twenty-five to thirty shots. They're going to have four plus turnovers, right? I think I can. I think the Wizards have the defensive pieces to kind of lock in on those guys and make it difficult for them. They don't have nothing to make it difficult for Joel Embiid or Giannis or even the Heat from a depth standpoint. Like the Heat got Oladipo on ice right now. We don't even know what he's going to look like. <laughs> I think he just got assigned to the G League. Like, you know, they just got so... The Heat have so much shooting, and I just don't think we have the 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 pieces to kind of chase all their shooters around. I agree. And, I agree. And keep like Jimmy Butler out the paint from driving and kicking. Like, I just don't think we have it.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, and then the coaching, I mean, it's just... Spohler just runs circles around us from a coaching standpoint. So that's why I say the Bulls, because, you know, I, I don't really... The coaching staff, I'm not all the way 100% sold on. Um, and then, like I said, the guys really haven't been there before, and they definitely haven't been there as a unit before. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I say the Bulls. But, yeah, Philly would be the second. Like I said, they'd be the second team, but I just think it's a big gap between, between them and the Bulls.
0: Sure. Um, so looking at a rotation now to close the season, I'm, I don't know if you've sat down and thought about this, but if, if you've come up with a nine-man rotation, or I'll, I'll give you mine, and then we'll see where you kind of stand with that. So the starting lineup, I'm going to keep the same. Um, I'll do Neto, Kispert, KCP, Kuzma, and then um, Porzingis. So we're going to assume Porzingis is healthy. And then my four off the bench are going to be Ish, Denny, Rui, and Gafford. And then if I need to play an emergency player because of foul trouble, then I would play Anthony Gill. So that's kind of what my nine-man rotation would be. Ten-man if you want to count Gill as the, the the ice player. But I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on how you'd like to see the rotation being managed going forward. And, of course, of course they're not going to do this because they're going to play Thomas Bryant over Daniel Gafford for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> but that's just what I would like to see them do and what I would do if I were them. But I wanted to to hear what you got on that.
1: Yeah. So like for, for playoff rotations or closing the year, I'd always go like, you know, nine man rotation, three guards, four wings, two bigs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the spirit of that, I'm going to say the three guards are going to be Raul Neto, Smith, and then probably KCP. Uh, your wings are going to be Kispert, uh, Kuzma, Denny, Rui. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the two bigs have to be KP and Mm Gaffer. I think that's the nine, man. I mean, it's the starters. Probably going to be Neto, KCP. That's where it gets a little tricky. I, I think I would start Kuzma and Rui together, okay, with uh with KP. Um, because you get, you know the way Rui's kind of has been shooting the ball, and you just know how he, he can play around the rim, the like post, high post. Sure. Um, uh, Kuzma's ability to kind of play like that, kind of Lamar Odom do everything role. Uh, I like I like the idea of that. Um, and then let Denny come off the bench. I think he's just, Denny is just, to me, just, he's been better suited coming off the bench. Um, You know, as a starter, I haven't been as impressed with him, even though in theory, you would think it would work because he just kind of is like a glue guy, but he hasn't looked good as a starter this season. Yeah. So,
0: we have the same thing, basically. Um, It's just probably the starting lineups is where we differ a little bit, but generally speaking, um, we got the same thing. Now, let me ask you a fun question: We start a seven-game series against Cleveland tomorrow. Who your, would your would starting five change or would it stay the same?
1: Ooh, it would definitely change. <laughs> you got to match. You got to match their length, um, and then and at that point, it will probably be KP at the four. Mm-hmm. Um. With Gafford at the five just to match their length and then I would go Kuzma at the three with, with KCP in um, sure. just that to, just to match their length because it's just so long, man. Um, so yeah, but, but that's probably the only team I would make that adjustment for. Everybody else, it would be the same. What
0: is kind of your, your take on Thomas Bryant at this point? Because we didn't name him in either of those scenarios. And look, I know he had a good game against the Nets. I raw skill, I still think he's the most talented center on the well, he's not anymore now that we have Porzingis. Um so not that's no not more. In, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not but even after, close. <laughs> but after Porzingis, he he is more naturally talented than Daniel Gafford. I, I I'm not denying that. I'm not I don't want to take anything away from TV, but going down the stretch of the season. We, I want to play guys that are going to commit on the defensive end. And I know that Gafford gets in foul trouble, and that's why you still have Bryant in the active 13 guys. Um, you still have Anthony Gill there again. Anthony Gill would be my emergency player just because he can do so much. And, mm-hmm. but I mean, what's, what's your take on Bryant, man? And look, I, we've talked before, you know, it's, it's perhaps not necessarily, um, true that we would move on from Thomas Bryant because he's expiring you know maybe there's a chance we bring him back but maybe that's why they decided to keep him but what's kind of your thoughts on him at this point point? and why didn't you personally put him in your
1: rotation yeah I mean my, my thoughts on him haven't really changed from I mean from last year really like he's a backup center um, I think I've always said like I felt like the role for him that would be ideal would be kind of like that Bobby Portis role where he can, um, you know, come off the bench, shoot threes, give you some energy, play about 15 to 20 minutes, and then, you know, that'd be his role. Uh, But if you're banking on him to be a a starter, play 25-plus minutes, like, you're you're setting yourself up for failure because he's just not a naturally good defender. And that was before the ACL injury. So now he's coming back, and he's trying to learn a new system. He's trying to learn a new role, uh, and he's trying to, he's coming off a summer where he basically did all rehab. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him. Um, And even in, I agree with you The the break glass in case of emergency big is Anthony Gill. It's not even Thomas Bryan in that scenario. Right. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, he, he wouldn't be in a rotation for me, Um, but I, I can under, I can understand them talking themselves into it because of his age and because of his offensive skill, and you just kind of convince yourself that, man, we could just get him to just just be there on his rotations and just be average on defense. You know, he's a player, but it just never, it just never happens, at least not consistently enough. He'll have, he'll have moments where he might block you at the rim and make a nice hustle play, you know, rebound or whatever. But it's just not there consistently from play to play.
0: So we mentioned Porzingis. Um I asked another question on the poll. How many games will Porzingis end up playing for us? We have 24 games left. The Twitter said 8 to 13 was the leader with 42.6%. 14 to 19, 28.4. 7 or less, 19.3. And then 20 plus, 9.7. So where would you put that? I'm sure you voted on that one as well. And, um... You know, I mean, how many games do you think he's actually going to play for? Do you think he's going to be ready on Friday when we play the Spurs, or you still think he's going to be out for a little bit? Like, what what did you kind of factor in when making your decision on that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you figure over the last three years, he's played an average of about forty five games. Um, so basically like half of the season. So I feel like these last twenty. Four games, he's probably going to play about half of that. Um, so that's where I kind of had it at around. Sure. I think it was the the one that won the vote. It was like eight to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one I voted for. Um, you know, he's probably not going to play back to backs, any type of back to backs. Um, you know, and they're just going to watch. They're not going to. They're not going to force him out there to try to put his body on the line for you know a ten seed. You know, they're going to, if he feels good, he'll play. If he, you know, it's a back-to-back or something feels off, he's going to sit. Yep. So I got him at about half of the games. You know, like 12, 12, well, 12 games, maybe. And so this, it's really weird, right? Because it it always feels
0: like after the, the trade deadline, like, especially if you make a big move, like you can't get a good vibe on a guy simply because I feel like there isn't a large enough of a sample size. So. Going more towards the, the, the trade deadline here for a second. Do you like how it's later in the year, or would you move it up a little bit?
1: Yeah, like, I, I think, you don't. I don't think you need 50 games to know what you have. Uh, you, know, you know, 50, 55 games, and then you're making a trade for the last, you know, 25 to 30. I think that's, I think they can move it back 10 games. Like, I think after, I think after 40 games, you know what you have on your team and, um, and you know what you need really after, really after 30 for real. But, you know, that might be too early, but I would say after 40 games, you know what you have on your team and can make uh, a proper trade to, to address those needs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just curious on that because it like I was saying, it feels like whenever guys make trades and um all that it's like after that it's like you see them in their new uniforms but like if you make a trade for um like a role player let's say that's on a one-year deal and he's supposed to be like your six man and you only get like uh a 15 to 20 game sample size of that and he's a ufa and you got to go into the summer deciding whether or not you want to pay the guy and it's like i mean we only saw him play for us for 15, 20 games. I mean, that's not a good enough sample size. So I think I'm with you. I think I would move it earlier on um, in the season. But just an interesting question I thought I'd come up with. Uh, Okay. Wizards opponents for the rest of the year. This does... So uh, apparently we have the fourth easiest schedule remaining in the NBA. Which... You would feel optimistic, right, when, when you look at that originally, but looking at some of these opponents here we got to play, I mean, it is, it is not easy by any sense of the imagination. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to list the teams from best record to worst and kind of get a better idea of what we're looking at here. So Golden State, we play twice. We still have to play Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Dallas, Denver, Boston, Mm -hmm. Minnesota, the Clippers, the Hornets again, which is going to be a huge game, the Lakers twice, Atlanta twice still, both of those are going to be huge, Portland, the Knicks twice, which probably won't have any implications, but it could, uh, San Antonio, Indiana again. Houston, Detroit twice, and Orlando. So definitely some easy teams there. We definitely get some of the bottom feeders for um, five games that that you would think we should win. But then you start getting up into the San Antonio, Knicks, Trailblazers, Hawks, Lakers, Hornets, Clippers territory, which is where I would kind of put the Wizards in that sort of
1: tier of teams
0: right now. Um, yeah, but then you you get to the upper tier, and it's Minnesota, Boston, Denver, Dallas, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Chicago, and then the Warriors twice. So, um, it's it's not easy. But um, what do you think about our schedule as we wind down the season here? Well,
1: our opponents, anyway. Yeah, so you know their last their last twenty four games, I got them winning what, nine of them, I think I had. Um, so with that, I put them at, what, nine and what, nine and 14, nine and 15 to close the year? Um, mm, yeah. yeah, it's about, yeah, nine and 15. So, yeah, I think that's about, that's about, yeah, where I where I would have them. Uh, nine and 15 to close out the year. Uh, you know, the nine games they probably win is probably going to be the games that KP plays and we get like, a you know, Pistons or, you know, they'll win. They'll win. You know, they're going to win a couple of the teams against some of the teams that they probably shouldn't beat on paper. But sure. Uh, yeah. And then they're going to probably lose a game or two that they should win on paper. So it'll balance out. You know, they'll they'll finish maybe like around 36 wins, 37 wins. So they'll finish on the over, but they what they were projected at 34 wins on the year, but um yeah, that's that's about that's about where I have them.
0: And do you think that at that point with your projected record, do you think that'll be good enough to get 10 or 9 even or do you uh, cuz I was actually going to look at Atlanta and Charlotte's schedule yesterday and do the same thing for them, but I was at work and was like, eh, got other stuff to do. So I didn't end up getting around to that. But do you think that with that projected record you have for the Wizards, do you think that's enough for them to get one of the playing seeds or you think they're out of it at that point?
1: I mean, Charlotte is kind of already sliding. They've lost two of their last 13, so they're going to slide already. Um, Atlanta has been kind of around 500. We're kind of like been around 500-ish. the Knicks have been on a slide. Pacers are on the slide. Magic, Detroit—they've been on the slide. I mean, they're like, they're all like ten and eight, two and eight, their last ten. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they could. I mean, they really, they really could get <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. They really could get ten or nine, like depending on how those other teams, how the Hawks and, and Hornets play in front of them. I think the Knicks are done. I, I don't even. Uh, yeah, they just look so dejected when they play. Uh I, I think they've done. Um, you know, they need they needed to make a move at the deadline, you know, and they didn't. And then you saw how, how they collapsed against the Nets. That was kind of like how we did against the Clippers, Uh, except they didn't go do anything at the deadline. They just kept the same team. So uh Yeah, I think I think they're done. So it's really just a matter of what's gonna happen with the Hornets and the Hawks in front of them. Um, Mm -hmm. and like I said, they're kind of the Hawks, I think are going to be in there. I think the Hornets, because their defense is just so bad that they can, they can go on, they can continue to slide and they didn't get better defensively by adding Montrose Hurl. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah.
0: And like I was saying before, you know, the, both of those teams are only a game up right now on us and between the two of them. We have three more games to prove ourselves. Again, those could be huge games. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, if we play Charlotte tomorrow and we beat them, I mean, we're, I don't know what the percentage points would look like on that because we don't have the same amount of games played. But at worst, we're tied in terms of games back now. And then if you like our schedule more, then perhaps we have the upper hand even without Beal. So um, I posted on Twitter, the the poll, how many wins we think we'll finish the season with. And Twitter had 64.1 responses going 35 to 39, which I'm pretty sure is where I had them at the beginning of the season, somewhere in that range. Um 30 and 34 was second place at 19.1. 40 to 42 was 14.5 and then some trolls uh 2.3% voted over 42. So um yeah, I mean it sounds about right at this point and I think with Charlotte's lighting like they are like you said, I mean, who knows, maybe that is good enough to make us uh a play in team but um, definitely going to be an interesting stretch of games, and especially with poor Porzingis now coming back. I mean, who knows? It could he could project us, and we could be a lot better, maybe, than we thought. But it's going to come down to him and his health, and not a lot of pressure to. And what well, it, it is a lot of pressure to be put on someone. Certainly it wouldn't want it to to be that way. Um, when the trade yeah, was I made. Mean,
1: go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there is an optimistic. I mean, you know, if if KP comes back and he, you know, he plays twenty of the twenty-four games and, you know, kind of getting the bad energy out of locker room, having a real point guard in Ish Smith now, uh, to kind of connect the dots with everything and, you know, a solidified rotation. Uh, I could see a scenario where they win, you know, because the schedule is so you know easy, you know, comparative to the rest of the the Eastern Conference. You know, I could see a scenario where they win. I don't know, 14 of the 24, you know, they go 14 and 10 down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, if they did that, I think that would be enough to, to get take eight, over. To, see, that might get eight, you know, uh, or maybe not because the nets are going to, the nets are going to, but when uh, are those they, guys
0: coming back? That's the thing. Like, cause Joe Harris is still injured. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. They'll, they'll, they can I think the highest they can get is nine. Like I, I don't see them getting it to the top to the top eight. Those teams are just kinda I just think they're too they're too far ahead of the Wizards. Like I, I don't see them getting they're three and a half back of the nets. Yeah, I, I don't see it with there. But but I mean they could get I think they could get to to nine. Um, you know, if everything, you know, kind of breaks right and KP looks good, Ish Smith kinda plays, you know plays that, that true point guard role and, and guys embrace their roles. I could see a scenario for that. But I just don't see them kind of like rushing KP back to kind of make him play most of these games um, going forward. Uh, but I, I do think they're going to shoot better uh, down this stretch. They're going to defend a little better. And I just think they're going to be a more cohesive unit to close games because they got a real point guard now. Isn't it crazy how much better he is than Dinwiddie?
0: And I remember people yeah. were saying that even when Ish was here, like he wasn't that great and all that. And I'm like, well, what are you guys watching? Because whenever I watched his Smith play when he was suiting up for us, I was like, this is the type of guy I want playing the point guard position. And immediately his impact is felt the the first game back that he played with us. I mean, we're playing at a faster pace. He's ripping the ball out of guys' hands. He's anticipating passes and doing all this stuff. And it. And it's like you know, well, maybe not doing all this stuff because he he doesn't have to do anything fancy to be effective on the basketball court. And even his mid range and three point shooting, uh, I mean, his three point shooting since he's been playing with us has been forty percent, I think. Um, which again, yeah, I've, not a large sample size, but
1: but still, yeah. I mean, he, you know, it, we complain about every player here as a fan base. This but, is what I'm saying, man, and I'm so I'm so tired. Know, Tired of it. I'll get into that in a second. I'll let you finish your thought. Yeah, but I, I think I think what we we don't judge players in the context of their roles. We just like, oh, well, compared to Jabberant, he sucks. Well it's like right. of course he does, right? Like he's not, right. you know, compared to Chris Paul, yeah, he sucks. But you know, what we you know, if you're gonna ask Ish Smith to be a starter and play thirty minutes a night for you, well yeah, you're not gonna like the results of that. But Ish Smith as a backup Behind a legitimate starter, uh, you can do a lot worse than that. He's one of the better pure point guards in the league, pure playmaking point guards, you know, where he he probes the lane. He he you know, he can get by his man, you know, he can he can hit a and pop mid-range jumper, he can hit a floater, right? Like these are things that then what he struggles at. And You know, you can see like the bar was just so low for point guard play here that, you know, it's frustrating. It it had to be frustrating for guys on the floor where you got a guy at the top of the key just kind of pounding the ball for 18 plus seconds. You're not even getting it to the set until it's like seven, eight seconds left on the shot clock, you know, and and then or, you know, he's getting you a hot potato pass, you know, with with three seconds left on the shot clock and you got to throw up some garbage just to just to not have a shot clock violation that kills people's efficiency that drops you know uh field goal percentage three point percentage like it's just bad and then on top of that you weren't running and going fast paced to get easy layups so everything was difficult uh you're you're seeing now just all of a sudden three point percentages is going up they're getting more than two or three four fast break points uh now that they have a real point guard, and we're talking about Ish Smith, who's a career backup. So imagine if they they really addressed the position and got like a starter level Ish Smith there. So uh yeah, it's 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 gonna be a revelation, I think, for the these last 24 games. Um I think they're gonna be a better team, but I just it's just it's too too big of a hill for them to climb, I think, to get, you know, into that top eight. Um Sure.
0: Question. Well, actually, before we get into that, uh, yeah, the the point I wanted to make about fans complaining about players we have on this team constantly—it seems like whatever we do, like people can never just be happy with and just accept it for what it is. Like, what we have Ish Smith on the bench and Denny Obdia, and we expect them to be Luca two point and John Morant, respectively. Like. But we have to understand like roles that guys are playing and while they may have deficiencies in their game, as long as you're a net positive, which for those that don't know the term, it just means do more good stuff than you do bad stuff. As long as you do that, I don't understand what the point is with complaining about guys all the time, but it's been something that's kind of like I've noticed it in the past few weeks where it's like nothing these guys can do unless they're all-stars or all NBA-level players. Like, guys can't be happy about shit. And we're talking about bench players and guys that are 24 years of age or younger. Like, I don't know what this fan base, like, is expecting. I don't know if they're just being unreasonable and they just want to have something to complain about so we tank and blow it up, but, which is probably what it is. Yeah. But it's just like, <laughs> in terms of competitive basketball – there's a lot of guys that we have on this team right now that other contenders would take and they would be in the rotation. Uh,
1: So, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think, you know, it's kind of just fan, right? Fanatic, you know, you're going to go to two extremes. If you're not an all-star, you suck. You know, if you're not, <laughs> if you're not a top five player, then you're, you're, you're overrated. You know, it's, it's just, it's the nature of, of fandom at this point, right? Like, nobody really can be, you know, kind of objective and, and, and uh, in the middle with their takes. It's got to be something to, the, to either extreme. I just think with this team, like the young guys, uh, you know, I think they're solid players. They just, you just got to have them in the proper roles so that they can excel, whether that be off the bench or as a starter. But uh, I'm not expecting – I'm not looking at Rui, Denny, Kispert to be, you know, <laughs> Luca to some point, though, like or, – or, you know, young KD and, and, and Russ and Harden. Like, it's just, not, it's just not realistic. But I think they can be plus players for us in proper roles. And you sure. kind of see just watching them what they, what they excel at, what role is best for them, and, and you can build off of it. I think the problem is you got to get the top of the roster right because you got a right. lot of depth here to, to put them in, you know, to fill out your bench and your nine-man rotation, but you never really had the top-end talent to really be legitimate, right? You can't have Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans as your two best players and think you're going to win anything, you know, or or Beal and Dinwiddie. I mean, or, or Beal and a washed Russell Westbrook. Like, that's just not like that. We got to be realistic about things. So, uh, yeah, I think if, if, if fans look at stuff in a proper perspective or in context of the role a player should be in, I think they would come out maybe a little bit more positive. But, you know, if you're one of those fans that's just like, uh, we suck because we're not a top five team, just blow it up. Well, then you're not going to be happy about anything.
0: Right. All right. Fun question for you. Who You probably know this. Who's leading us right now in three-point percentage?
1: Oh, it's Rui. Oh, <laughs> no, no question about it. Are you sure? That boy is. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty positive on that. So really? you're one.
0: You're 100 sure out of everyone that's suited up in games well, for us this
1: year. Hold up, wait, no, hold up. Are we talking? Is there a minimum attempts qualifier here? Is there a <laughs> like? But if we're talking about for players that have been here that have played at least I don't know 15 games. Or ten games, it's definitely Rui. Okay, give me one Uh,
0: second. I'm gonna check something. Give me one sec. I want to make sure. Um, Okay, yeah, he meets that criteria. Then, so yeah are are you are you sure it's him, or you want to change it?
1: So, so uh, is there is there attempts qualifier here? Like, is there a games qualifier, or is just right now today? no matter how many games you've played for the Wizards, who has the best three-point percentage?
0: I mean, if we were going to play that game, then Rui wouldn't even be in that conversation. But but I'll say this. We're including Rui in the conversation.
1: Uh, it's probably now, if, if we're just going off of the best three-point percentage on a team, no matter how many games you've played for the Wizards this season... It's probably Ish Smith, but I'll give you another played. guess. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't think I have anybody else. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, I know it's not Gil, is it Gil? Anthony Gil? Anthony Gill shoots 63% from three. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But the the attempt's got to be, like, super low, right?
0: Um, Let me double check on that. I just had it pulled up, and then I just exited out of it. Um, Let me see how many attempts he has on the year here. But, yeah, Rui is second um, behind at the 46 or... Whatever the hell he's shooting. Um,
1: show me shooting stats. Gil see wasn't him. even on my, my radar just because I don't think of him as a top nine, top ten rotation player. Sure, so, sure. Uh, <laughs> he's been
0: playing a lot lately. So
1: Yeah.
0: Come on, I just want to see the totals. All right, here we go. Um, three-point attempts on the season, he has
1: <laughs> 11. See, uh, it's, like, like, it's nowhere near enough to – yeah, I mean, he has the same three-point attempts as Isaiah Todd. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to count that as a real percentage at this point. Well,
0: well how many threes has Ruby
1: shot in this year? 39. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a large sample size. Um,
0: Well, larger than Anthony Gills. All right. So, two questions here for you before we finish it up and close this out. Do we make the play-in,
1: yes or no? I think they do. I think the the KP coming back, you got a real point guard. They seem to like each other in the locker room now. Uh, I think they make the play-in. Uh at what seed? I don't know. It could be anywhere from nine, nine or ten, but I think they make the play Twitter agrees fifty-five
0: point four percent of the voters out of one hundred and
1: eighty-six said yes. Will we make the playoffs? No. They will not.
0: The nightmare scenario for this, because I think it would be kind of cool to make the playoffs, you know. Again, depending on who gets a top seed, I mean, you know, you, you could. Again, if we play Chicago, well, why can't we take it to six games? Uh, now we probably wouldn't. Probably be five or or get swept. But, you know, you never know. It's the fun. That's that's why you go out there and play. You never know. Um, but the nightmare scenario for this is the Nets stay at 7 or 8 and they lose to Toronto or Boston in that first game and then the Nets play the the winner of the the 9 and 10 game. Like that would which would be us in the scenario. Like that would be the most nightmare situation possible, especially if they're Katie all healthy. And ben yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you may as well not even show up.
1: So, and I wonder though, towards the end of this, is there going to be some posturing as far as like, you know, that one seat? Like, do you want the one seat if Katie and Ben and and everybody's healthy and they're sitting at at eight? Do you sure. want the one seat? right i'm <laughs> sure you might you might throw a couple games at the end of the year to like hey man let the let the let the heat or the bucks deal with that like if i'm the bulls i'm kind of keep a close eye on that cuz i do not want to play them dudes round 1 yeah well all right
0: that's a lot of good conversation for today anything you want to touch on before we go ahead and close this
1: one out i got nothing else man i'm i'm um, i'm interested to see how you know, the improved point guard play kind of kind of trickles down to the rest of this roster and how we shoot the rest of the season. I mean, Denny even recently. I mean, I feel like Denny's been hitting like at least
0: – like he's been at least average from three-point range, I feel like, lately.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's all you need from him. He just needs to be around 34%, 35% from three um, and make his free throws and obviously make his layups. He's got to make the layups. Uh, But he doesn't need to be a forty percent sniper. No, No,
0: he don't need that. No, I think a a reasonable expectation for him this year was to not be terrible, and I don't think he has been. So, um, let me see what actually he's at for the season. I think he's like, oh, he's well, thirty percent. I don't know if that's any better than he was last year. It's probably a little bit worse, but um, but but lately he's been shooting the ball a lot better. Um, But I mean, I'm already looking at it. Are above-average you know three-point shooters right now. Gil, Rui-ish. Um, I'm not counting there Cassius you. Winston. KCP, Isaiah Todd. So basically anyone that plays significant minutes um, for this team, the, the only one is really KCP here that we've had a decent enough sample size for. Everyone else, we haven't. I mean, Rui, if you want to count Rui, go for it. But I don't know if I'd count that as a good enough sample size yet. But Kispert, again... In the context of things, Rui's been shooting the ball well since he's been back. Kispert shooting better lately. Denny shooting better lately. Like, well, we have capable shooters. You know, we don't have Joe Harris and Joe Ingles lingering around on this team,
1: but you know, I mean, we have guys that are capable. Yeah, what you didn't have was capable space creation. I think that was the issue. Like it wasn't that Davis Bertans just forgot how to shoot. It was that every shot Davis was taking was contested. Um, you know, I, I feel that way pretty much across the board because that's the only way you can explain like eight out of your ten rotation players all having career low years of shooting. Like that's not that's not just one guy forgetting how to shoot or not putting enough work in in the gym, right? Like that's that's something that's. Systematic through the whole team, and I just think they just weren't they weren't getting clean looks, and so the, yeah. re- the re- and then the rare clean look they would get, you're not in rhythm, and then that's a miss. So it's just you know they got to come out and get clean looks to open up games, get easy buckets, get to the free throw line, and then all of a sudden you got rhythm. So when you get those open looks, it's cash. So don't you oh, also one enjoy other enjoy... thing too? Oh
0: sure, go ahead. Yeah, I was one other thing
1: because you. The, 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 Denny, the Denny thing, you brought Denny up, and, and it ha- had me thinking about watching the, the All-Star Weekend, the Rise of Stars game. And I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it on the pod just so it's on. on oh, I know right. what you're going to say. Yeah. Denny was supposed to be in that game, man. Um, yeah. you, just I know, I know they did the format. It's usually the top 12, I guess your top 12 rookies, your top 12 sophomores, and then they added. I think they added four Ignite players to it for a total of uh, what I think it was, what, 20, 26 players in total. No, well, 20, 28 players in total. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. yeah. 28 yeah. players in total. Yeah. Denny should have been on one on on that roster, man. Like, it's just no way in hell. Object- objectively speaking, you could tell me Denny hasn't been a top 12 sophomore player. Um, I- I'm just not buying it like precious Achua and and Jaden McDaniels have not been better than Denny Opio. Like, it's just... I'm sorry. Like, it's just... It's ridiculous that he wasn't in that game. I don't... I don't understand it. Um... I... I, I don't even think Isaac O'Koro has been better than Denny, but Okoro... Yeah. Okoro is on a playoff team. You know, it's in Cleveland. He, he starts. Gets. But, like... Yeah, he starts. But if we just talking, like... We talking, like, just just pure, like, production, like impact on your team, it's, it's no question about it that Denny should be, uh, should have been in that rising stars game. So I just wanted to put that on record because I know a lot of people look at me as kind of as a Denny downer, uh, but I'm going to call it like, I see it. Like he should have been in that game, man.
0: Don't we love now that Howell Neto gets consistent minutes in a consistent role and now he's back to being the Howell Neto that we all know and love? I'll tell you in the Beal era my favorite point guard rotation has been the the Ish Neto combo. Now I'm not saying roll into that for for next season. I think you have to make a little bit of an upgrade somewhere at least for the starter. But I would say that the Ish Neto is is a pretty good combo I think and they complement each other well for what they do and the best part about this is West doesn't play both of them at the same time like he would Scott Brooks. He staggers them. And I think that what? you you get the you get the best of, of both worlds there. But shout out Halleneta because he, he's been playing better lately. He's been getting a lot of flack all season, and I'm, I'm not saying I don't understand it. I, I get it. But I mean, even his three ball now is it seems to be, you know, I still think that he's going to miss every time he shoots it. But you know, he, he's he's starting to make some of them now, which is a good sign. And I mean, he's he's savvy in the paint, good floater game, tough finisher inside. I like his game and I'm I'm glad that he now has like a consistent role. He's been playing twenty eight minutes per game since the the trade deadline, so um good for Ho Netto, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean all of the all of their their positive lineups, uh I guess in the backcourt had had netto in them over Dinwiddie, So I just think it's just an addition addition by subtraction thing with him. You know, he's has yeah. been asked to kind of be the guy he was last year, which was more of like a, a, a shooting guard, combo guard, instead of him having to come in and run an offense and kind of worry about getting guys in the ball and stuff. Like, he in the game now. He's just going to get his buckets. Um, and that's what, that's the role he should be in. Like, attack the paint. Be aggressive. Attack and close outs. Shoot threes when you get them open. Um, you know, your little one-legged floater in the paint. You know, yeah, take those um and now he, he looks a little bit more comfortable so uh quick
0: quick quick i meant to bring this up earlier
1: um i didn't write this down on our notes
0: we have an empty roster spot would you entertain signing a point guard right now or would you just leave the empty roster spot um is what it is maybe promote one of the the go-go guys for the rest of the season or would you entertain like signing a a Drogic. I know Drogic probably wouldn't choose this on here, but... Or maybe if, if Schroeder gets released, then maybe you go after a guy like Schroeder, but uh, what would you do with that last roster spot right
1: now? No, I wouldn't do anything with it uh, other than probably moving on a, a go-go guy, you know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't. Because it, it's... Right now, at this point, It's a, I feel like the, the development of your young guys that you have in-house should, should take precedent over trying to chase a, a Tennessee for, you know, signing a vet that is only going to be there for 30 days.
0: You know who I would like to bring back? Um, Tremont Waters. I thought that he was a, a feisty guard that was getting after it on the defensive end. I would add him to that group and make him like the third point guard if someone goes down, you know. Um, I liked what I saw when he played.
1: Yeah, he was solid. I like, I like Brad Watermaker too, big body, you know. Watermaker was boot. good, yeah. I'm not going to just move him out the way. He just he just brought the ball up and he gave it to the scores.
0: <laughs> not hard, Spencer, not hard. Um, <laughs> but all right, that's going to go ahead and do it for us here today. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, please leave us a comment and let us know how you think we do, anything we can improve on, what you like about it, what you don't like. But that's going to do it.